0: keeping track and you're listening to molly huddle alicia montano and roisin mcgettigan-dumas we want to
1: highlight the important topics inspiring stories and amazing women in sport
0: we're three olympians from two countries two moms and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate
2: about in the sports world and we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports and this is just how we're keeping track
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. Today, we talk to Triple Jump American record holder Keturah Orgy. Keturah talks to us about what her training has been like during this past COVID year, how she's doing now at the Olympic Training Center, her awesome website and blog, which is such a great resource for athletes and fans of the sport and anyone even looking for hair or finance advice. You could, there's everything on there how and why it's important to give back to the sport and what she has done there, her thoughts on rule 50 and a few examples of some of the lessons she has learned from sport and the wisdom she will leave us with. Check out Keturah's interview. Thanks for keeping track. A big shout out to Saucony for sponsoring our season two production costs. At Saucony, a good day is when we get to run. A great day is when we inspire someone else to run. Run for good and thanks for keeping track. Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. This is kind of an exciting catch up because Ro and I are in person. Yay! Together in the same room.
0: In my basement. (laughs) We're not at our
1: recording studio but we are in a basement makeshift studio.
0: Yes. In
1: Providence.
0: In person which is so nice after a year of distance yes or more
1: <laughs> yeah it's nice to not be on a screen um we're missing alicia still this episode but we have a great episode we talked to triple jumper katura orgy recent american record setter and uh exciting to talk to you
0: as we approach the trials the olympic yeah. trials yeah and as you hear in the interview she's a lot more than just an olympic triple jumper she likes to have a broad identity and and kind of really looks after other parts of her identity and values that too. And and she's a really great listener, um, financial advisor, friend, and has some great advice for everyone out there.
1: Yeah. So we'll link her website, um, which kind of shows all of her dimensions. She does a financial advice blog. She does public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, She just talks about her other interests. um, Mentorship. program yep mentorship giving back is important to her um and yeah so she was a really interesting interview um what should we catch up on this month
0: there's lots to catch up on Molly we haven't seen each other in a while (laughs) I know
1: once a month episodes it's like the catch-up list is long um I feel like one of the most exciting things is that the representation in running media paper uh, got published
0: yeah, the work we did last year, um, if anyone needs to check back on the interview we did with um, Dr. Francine Darach, um was based around our research on runner's world and race representation in running media. Um, and Francine and her team there in Canada um, actually got the work we did published, or they did, um, and it's... The title of the paper is Racing for Representation, a Visual Content Analysis of North American Running Magazine Covers. So check it out. Yeah, it's it's kind of
1: cool that we collaborated on a piece of actual published scientific research. It's great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So thanks. Shout out to Francine and her team there, Jenna and Candice Roberts. Um, So hopefully we can collaborate with them again in the future.
1: Yeah, that was exciting. Um, Congrats, Francine et al., as they say in the science world. (laughs) Also, so there's meets back on the schedule. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've been watching the meets that have been happening. Um, And one of the meets, actually, the next place I'm competing is Attleboro, Massachusetts in a few weeks. And Keeping Track has actually sponsored one of the events there. So we're sponsoring the Women's 800, and we think it's kind of cool that – um it's a full circle moment we're putting money back into track and field yeah
0: (laughs) you're gonna hop in the eight now and just because we're sponsoring you know
1: I'm doing the 5k I thought it would be weird to sponsor my own event so no I'm not doing the 800
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh I love the 800 um but yeah I can't wait to go and watch that in person it's gonna be it's great track is back baby yeah I don't know if spectators
1: are back but maybe, oh, maybe you over. can peep with binoculars. I don't okay. know. Maybe they will let people in. It's let baby steps. I sponsored it. I know. Right? <laughs> you just roll in with, um, I don't know, some aviators on and look important. Oh, yeah, I wish that would work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. I want to ask you to talk a little bit about, we were just talking about this, um, before we started recording your program in Ireland dare to believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, dear to believe is the Olympic school program I run in Ireland with my friend Roisin Jones. Um, and this year we were tasked with providing a solution for teachers that helped them prioritize uh, physical health and well being, um, which is kind of came from the education department in Ireland being the year of COVID and everything else. So, we um, created this Olympic schools challenge, and it's like a month of, um, physical activity every day for an hour a day and when the kids do their activity they input it into a website and that converts it to a distance and they travel from Ireland to Tokyo via Athens, New Delhi, Fukuroi and uh, unlock challenges along the way. So we were very busy building that, and we have about fifty thousand kids in Ireland doing it right now. So we're really happy with the results, and the feedback has been really excellent.
1: That's amazing. When you, you just showed me the website, and it looked so fun, like I wanted to do it, <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like so much work. I'm amazed. You and Roisin are just go getters. Yeah. Um, so
0: shout out to Roisin Jones, and <laughs> um, there she knows how to get things done. So
1: if you're a teacher in Ireland, check this out. We'll drop a link. Yeah. Um, I know we have a few listeners in Ireland because I look at our data. Yeah, shout <laughs> out to my homies. <laughs> so, yeah, check that out. Um, very proud of you guys. Yeah, and
0: just a shout out to one of our listeners. I know Greta Strindemacher Stry- 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 is um, one of the Olympic ambassadors, Paralympic ambassadors on the Dare to Believe squad in Ireland. And I know she listens to the pod. So thanks, Greta, for listening. And thanks for being such an inspiring ambassador Um, we should actually have Greta on. She's, she's brilliant with the, with this, with the kids that she talks to.
1: We'll email you, Greta. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Um, any other announcements? Um, let's see your list there, Molly. That was my list. Okay. Anything spontaneously come to mind?
0: Um, just the Olympic trials is coming up. How are you feeling about it? Oh
1: yeah, that, (laughs) it is coming up. So like, depending on where you are in the event, um, we have four weeks or six weeks. Well, five weeks, I guess. Um, kind Jeez. of actually waiting to hear. So I'm running the ten K. Waiting to actually hear if we have prelims. in oh, The ten K. That wow. decision is probably gonna be made by the time this comes out. Is this
0: is such a high volume of people. Currently
1: fifty with? and probably we're gonna add a few more. Wow. Yeah. Oh my so,
0: gosh. Wow. That's incredible. That's that such, would be that unheard is a of. really That'd healthy be. sign of distance running hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. That's unprecedented, is it?
1: I'd say so. I mean, I think they had prelims back maybe years back at like the world championships and maybe USA's did, but it would have eliminated very few people. This would eliminate
0: half the field. You
1: know, well, they need to get it down to yeah, 24. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Also,
0: 50 people is way too much to, to yeah, be in the race. That yeah, would be,
1: there would be a lot of chaos on the track. Yeah. So that's kind of an yeah. ex- interesting weird thing about the 10k that's been going on right now mm-hmm. um yeah. and yeah other than that just sharpening up hoping to do two more races unless I have a prelim I'll probably cancel one of those races <laughs> yeah uh and get ready Great. for
0: June 28th yeah brilliant back on it's back on guys I can't <laughs> wait to
1: see I keep talking about Eugene Stadium I've only seen oh, pictures yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> so looks, can't wait to see that that's really cool I'm excited to yeah as the, as the, the hype builds you know as an athlete though right with the hype building around you like how you just kind of stay grounded and focused
1: yeah I mean this will be a weird year because like we've said we don't know if there will be spectators or how oh, spectators right. so the yeah. hype might be toned down which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think helps me
0: yeah yeah <laughs> just that's less work
1: bubble like, yeah. yeah. yourself
0: somebody asked me that recently actually do you think lack of um you know people even at the Olympics themselves do you think that's going to help the athletes perform better and you know it might help some some athletes thrive off the, yeah, it depends. the atmosphere of in the stadium. Others maybe will perform better when it's more Mm -hmm. relaxed
1: it's been yeah it'll be interesting i think it depends on the the personality the type Mm -hmm. of person
0: yeah would you think there'll be enough kind of high um, energy in the stadium though if it's super quiet like would that be you know
1: what if they allow other athletes to come i think there will be Mm -hmm. right because if you're already there and they allow athletes to come i mean the athlete cheering section was always pretty cool yeah yeah exactly um I think there'll be enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) brilliant. All right. Well, as we continue the journey, um, keeping track, we will keep track of everything that's going on. It's been, you know, great to have it back in action. And thanks again to Keturah for um, this great interview. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks
1: for keeping track. Welcome back to Keeping Track, everybody. Today, we have Roshin and I interviewing Ketura Orgy. I know you have heard her name with the long jump and triple jump buzz that's going on, but especially the triple jump um, head-to-heads we've had that have been really exciting between Ketura and Tori, and you guys are raising the bar for women's triple in the U.S. Just a few stats on Ketura. She was a 2016 Olympian, fourth place in the triple jump, Pan Am Games silver and fifth at World Indoor. Um, She, as a youth, won silver and bronze and triple and long at under 18 championships and set an American junior record. Now, so you've been good for a long time, even though you're early in your career. Did I get those stats fairly accurate? And can you tell us a little bit about kind of where you're at, where you're training and what's been going on?
2: Yeah, that was all correct. Um, Thank you for having (laughs) me on here today. Um, I am currently training in Chula Vista, California um, with Jeremy Fisher. I went to the University of Georgia originally and was still training there for my first year post-collegiately, but um, recently transitioned here in 2020. So.
0: And I don't, I don't think I heard you say, Molly, um, eight-time NCAA champion, but I'm seeing that on your website and I'm thinking, I'm doing the math. I'm like, did you just like uh, win everything that you did? <laughs>
1: College <laughs> woman of the decade.
2: Yeah, there you go. That's, that's about it. You yeah, just- I, I lost them. Um, I lost my freshman year indoor triple jump title, but I ended up winning my senior year long jump title. And so that made up for the loss. Oh, my,
0: my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's pretty impressive. Well done. Thanks. And was like a just like a fun thing for you. Everyone else is like, how do I survive here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Actually, can you talk about that transition, you know, going from high school to NCAA? NCAA to where you are now, we've seen the high points, but was it always that smooth? Like did you ever have any slump seasons or did you have to adjust much when you made any of those transitions?
2: Yeah. So um from high school to college, I definitely was really nervous. Um I'm originally from New Jersey and so I moved to Athens, Georgia, and that's not close to my family at all. Mm. Um and so I was just nervous about not being close to family and being in an entirely new environment with a new coach and new teammates. Um, but the transition ended up going pretty well. I got really close to my teammates. Um, all the workouts we did um, really helped me to improve, like right away when I got there. And then um, also transitioning from college to professional, that also went pretty well. I think I was just nervous to be traveling alone um, to different track meets. You know, usually when you're in college, you have all your teammates, there your coaches, they set up everything for you. But mm-hmm. as a professional athlete, you have to set everything up yourself. You go to You decide what time you want to get to the airport and what time you're going to report to the track. Um, You have to set up your massages and treatment, and um, pretty much everything's on you. And so that was what was more difficult—just becoming accustomed to spending money on myself and what was important to me versus in college, everything's free and provided for you, and your coach really encourages you to do things for yourself.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Like, I feel like you have to normalize that. Like, I have a budget as a professional, and like these are the numbers that I have to get used to and. It's always a shock at first. Like, Ro, do you remember our first training camp or my first training camp with you? And we were like, oh, it's so expensive. And <laughs> our coach is like, that's that's part of it. That's the investment yeah. in yourself.
0: Yeah. like you're like, oh, what well, I wouldn't do for a meal plan. Let me get back to college, right? <laughs> or a track track access. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It, it's one of those things you have to go through, but it's it's a bit of a rude awakening. to get spot out of the NCAA. System. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> what year did you graduate? I graduated in 2018, um, 2018. with a degree okay. in financial
0: planning. Oh, okay, excellent. Okay, so you're not too long out no. at all. So have you? Do you feel like you've made the transition at this point? Like, do you feel comfortable? Um, yeah, post as a post collegiate athlete.
2: Yeah, I I feel pretty comfortable. I think the great thing about when I was in college is I was still able to make some USA teams. And so Mm -hmm. that gave me a little bit of a view into the professional world without actually being thrown into it. And so I feel like that gradual transition helped me to feel more comfortable at this point now. But Mm -hmm. things are a lot different now with COVID um, because I'm I'm about to go to a Diamond League in Gateshead. And they're limiting who's allowed. So I won't I won't have my coach there. So that'll be a first. Um, oh, that's so hard
1: for a technical <laughs> event. Like, I feel like we see you checking in after every jump. So like, how does that, how's that going to work?
2: Yeah, I'm hoping that. So there's two Jamaican athletes there that I know. And I'm hoping that one of their coaches will be there and can also watch me and just give me some feedback too. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, so kind I'm not a 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. kind of helping each other
0: out in this weird circumstance. That's
1: good. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So you would have went to the Olympics as a college athlete then, 2016. Right, And have you stayed with the same coach um, post-collegiately or from college or are you with a new coach now?
2: I'm with a new coach. So um, my first year of being a professional athlete, I was still with my coach at the University of Georgia. But I just recently moved to Chula Vista and I'm working with Jeremy Fisher now.
0: Right. And the training camp there, what's the vibe like at the Olympic training camp in
2: Chula Vista? Um, it's definitely really focused because there's not many distractions when you're at a training center. Um, everything's provided for you and you really just surround a whole bunch of athletes that are also trying to make an Olympic team. So it's definitely mm. a really focused atmosphere. And my mm. training partners are Brittany Reese and Chris Bernard and Will Clay and some of the top oh, athletes cool. in America. And so that really pushes me and um, makes me raise the bar for myself. That's that is some jumps squad sorry yeah, Molly. <laughs>
1: great squad. We, yeah we talked to Brittany a few months ago um she's a legend yeah um,
0: and Willow Clay is amazing as well yep, yep. everyone yeah it's great
1: so how Katura? how did this COVID year go for you like um did you have to were you at the training center at that point or what kind of like compromises did you have to make because I know we've talked to a lot of athletes who talked about missing gym time and just all of the things that happened during the shutdown what was it like for you?
2: yeah. so um in twenty twenty, I was originally transitioning between Florida and California, and that's because I didn't feel comfortable moving right to California after living in Georgia. So my coach Jeremy was working with the u f coach Nick Peterson in Florida, and I was like kind of doing a month on, a month off, like going back and forth. And so when the pandemic started, i like I think it was like early February or late February. I was actually in Chula Vista. And I was planning to go to World Indoors. Um, I actually competed at USA Indoors. And then once the Olympics were canceled and um, competition started getting canceled, I was like, "Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to go back home because I don't know, I didn't know if like flights would be stopped or like how um, like anything would go on with airports. So I was like, I'm going to go back now since everything's canceled and I'll come back when I need to. And so I went to Atlanta. Um, I'm actually married and was with my husband. And um, I was like working out there the best I could. Um, but definitely lost motivation because obviously there was nothing to train for. There's no Olympics happening. There were no track meets on the schedule. Just kind of lost any motivation and any drive to train for anything. Um, But I still was going out to grass fields. I would try to find stairs, do stair workouts. I'd bought dumbbells and different weights to do at home, medicine balls. And so it was really just kind of improvising um, and just trying to maintain the shape that I was in. I definitely didn't do any jumping or anything. And then Around June or July, I think it was, I went back to Florida because things started opening up and started training again there. And I did compete at like some small, two small meets, but again, I wasn't, I hadn't been training before that. So it was definitely all over the place.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a fitness wearable that provides 24 seven personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. Whether you're running your first 5K or your 10th marathon, Loop can help you train smarter and recover faster, so you can get to the start line healthy. Personally, I've been using Loop for a couple of weeks, and my favorite feature is the sleep analyzer function. It tells me how many hours of sleep I really got versus how much I need based on my day's physical strain and even the quality of that sleep. So that's been pretty cool to see. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code TRACK at checkout. So go to w h o o p W-H-O-O-P.com and enter TRACK, T-R-A-C-K, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to the start line healthy
0: with Whoop. What was it like to have your whole, you know, as a track athlete, like, you know, your summer is like jam-packed with meat, and what's it like to have that like clear schedule and just... There's there goes the summer, you know, what's it like to watch that and not have that?
2: Summers for me, since they are usually busy, I honestly enjoyed having the time off. I don't get to see my family often. I was able to go to New Jersey and see my family and then also um, spend some time with my sister during quarantine. And so that was really nice for me. Just that's a time where I'm usually just training and don't get to see family. And I was able to spend an extended amount of time um, with them. And so I really appreciated that time. And there were mm-hmm. times where I got bored, but at least I was around people and not alone.
1: And well, now this season you've PR'd in, in long and triple. So obviously I know it was a setback from training, but maybe it was sort of like a refreshing break because you're jumping well right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think it was needed and and really healthy, especially mental not just physically but mentally too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really helped a lot of the athletes um, to come back even stronger this year.
0: Yeah, it's like you get kind of a free pass of the season, and then instead of being injured or anything like that, you just kind of get to just the competitive fire just builds and builds and just yeah, motivation, you know, motivation for for the following season. That's great. So yeah. So how how long have you been? How's your season been going? Molly said you've just already had PRs. Like is is it that? You're obviously adapting well with a new training environment. Um, could you tell us about some of your PRs and where you're at with those? Yeah. And meters and feet, maybe, because I'm Irish and I like to know meters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those PRs was the American record. So can you take us through that?
1: There's a small
2: yeah, meet. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So I. My second meet of the season, I triple jumped at home here in Chula Vista. I jumped 1492 meters, which is 4811. Um, I was extremely happy about that. That was a 20 centimeter PB, which is huge. Yeah, that's (laughs)
0: that's
2: huge. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I was really happy about that. I, I really didn't know what to expect going into the meet. I had some doubts just because coming from my old coach, we do a lot of different things. And sometimes the doubts are just like, what if this? system doesn't work for me or how well will this really correlate? I wasn't sure at all. So yeah, it was really, um, really uplifting just to know that I, that everything we were doing is working and mm. that I can be more, gave me gave me confidence that I needed going into my um, next meets. And so um, that was really great especially as an opener
0: yeah that's amazing and just for anyone listening who's an athlete and experiences doubts right that you're like I just got an American record even though I had doubts right so that's just like a normal part of the process and um, yeah you don't you don't outrun those doubts or think go right? jump them and yeah. um, but instead you just deal with them and and still compete which is which is great yeah. um and great have sports you- psych takeaway bro i'm <laughs> sorry i just can't resist
1: <laughs> that's rose area of expertise <laughs> just,
0: yeah I, yeah anyways i don't want to geek out on you but um yeah that's amazing and what about um the next few weeks into the build up for the trials and everything have you got a lot coming on
2: yeah so i'll have two diamond leagues before the trials i'm going to go to gateshead and then i'll also be going to doha um so pretty long travel but it'll be great competition usually I'm competing against the same people that will be in an Olympic final with me. And so it's just great to get into that atmosphere and really see how I can do, especially mm-hmm. with travel, kind of travel fatigue and different mm-hmm. weathers, um, really just giving myself all the different factors I can and see how I perform. And that may just give me confidence for the trials and also for the Olympic games.
1: And you're doubling at the trials. Sounds like, I am, yes, yeah. I am
2: doubling <laughs> at the trials. Um, I actually cannot do both at the Olympics though, because the long jump qualification is in the morning and the triple jump finals that night. Um, so I can't double, but Mm. it's really a great opportunity to compete against the best long jumpers and, um, still make some prize money. So I think it'll be exciting to do both.
1: Did you jump at any of the meets that they had at the new stadium? Have you seen the new, um, Eugene stadium yet?
2: I haven't. I've seen everyone's Instagram stories posting Mm -hmm. it, and I've seen like it on TV and pictures and everything. But I haven't been there yet, so I'm really excited to get in there. Yeah,
1: it looks amazing. I haven't been there back yet either. I was at Mount SAC. Um, I don't know if you've been to the old Mount SAC, but I saw you competed at the new one. That was pretty nice. That new venue—it's amazing. Yes,
2: it is is really nice. The screen is huge. I can't Mm -hmm. believe how big the screen is.
0: Yeah, hard not to look at it (laughs) while you're (laughs) while you're out there. Yeah, and um, just a quick question about the long jump and triple jump. Do people do a lot of athletes double up, or like pick one to specialize in, or do they? Is it common for a lot of athletes to do both events?
2: Yeah, I think when you're younger, it's common to do both. So usually, a lot of high schoolers will do long jump and triple jump, and then even sometimes in college, athletes do long jump and triple jump. But over time, especially as you get into the professional um, world, you kind of just choose one, whichever one's better. Mm-hmm. But I've been blessed enough to be able to pretty be pretty good at both. And mm-hmm. so I definitely like the balance and it gives my body a break because triple jump's really hard on the body. So sometimes I can just get still get in a great um competition and do long jump and give my body some rest.
0: Right. Nice. That's great. I
1: like to hear um athletes' background if they tried other events. Like did when you were in high school, did you try like anything that was like really outside of your specialty now or even sport other sports
2: yeah i did everything so before i even started track i did gymnastics actually and i was a competitive gymnast and training for level 9 before i quit wow Oof. but then high school <laughs> <laughs> then in high school i started track and my coach i started track to be a sprinter so i was doing like 100 200 400 all the relays i high jumped um i I ran the hurdles. I shot put it. You shot <laughs> put <it. laughs> Yeah. My like my had tackles. <laughs> yeah. 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 multis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My high school coach was really big on like, we're not going to limit you to one event. You're going to try everything.
1: I love that though. So, I man, think that's important. Thanks. I tried. I remember I did actually high jump triple jump and 1500 when I was in grade school and I was terrible at the jumps but <laughs> they told us to try everything yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. and I think that's great because it helps athletes find what they're really good at so yes. yeah I did try multiple events and then I also did volleyball in high school too which I love
0: oh yeah wow so after leg- level nine gymnastics like all of those events probably felt like a little bit lighter or easier I don't know <laughs>
2: yes everything feels better after being a competitive gymnast because yeah. our practices were 20 hours a week and um Mm -hmm. at a young age that's just a lot on you and a lot of pressure and you know how gymnastics is like you're shooting for a perfect 10.0 it's not like you did okay you got second it's like Mm -hmm. no you're shooting for a perfect score every time so it's it's definitely demanding at a young age
0: yeah and did you just is that why you retired like you just kind of found a new sport or it was it you just kind of didn't like it anymore
2: yeah I think I just lost the love for the sport um Again, that's being in such a young age and so many hours going to a sport um, yeah. when you're trying to like hang out with friends and just live your life, yeah. um, it just takes a lot. And there's no off season for gymnastics. So mm-hmm. in track, yeah. you'll train and then maybe you get a month off. But like gymnastics, it's all year throughout the year you're training.
0: Yeah, yes. I'd say you still have some cool tricks up your sleeve though, do you? From the home I morning? do. <laughs>
1: yeah, could you still do like a back handspring or anything that you learned in gymnastics?
2: Yeah, like two years ago, I actually went back to the gym that I trained at and I still could do a full, so.
1: Whoa, I'd like to see a video of that. Do you get that recorded or anything?
2: Yeah, there's a video on my Instagram. I can send it to you. Okay, we'll
1: link. We'll link your Instagram and we're going to link also a bunch of ways to watch you in the next few weeks. So mm-hmm. check our check our blog for that.
0: Yeah, I've always said that like, i say it feels so good to just run and do like loads of flips i just have that sense that it would feel really good to do that if you have a lot of energy
2: or something just, like, just do a few flips get it out of <laughs> it is fun it's so fun or like a
1: celebration like after a yeah. good jump you could do like a backflip
0: <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> no let's molly go easy there wait last year food for thought mm-hmm. um that's that's cool though yeah so long and triple jump feel better on your body and just lighter it feels good all around
2: yeah it's definitely a lot less um a lot less requirements
0: yeah 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 um go ahead money i feel like you're ready to ask questions i
2: know i'm like
1: looking at my list of questions well i think this is a good time to ask you about that this really cool um mentoring program you established it sounds like it was a couple years ago called amara's pride am i saying Mm -hmm. that right and can you tell us what inspired you to start that i love that you you started giving back so early in
2: your career that's Mm -hmm. obviously something that's like a priority for you thank you um I started that program just because at a certain point in college, I felt like I realized there weren't a lot of opportunities for young Black girls um, to see role models and to see women that look like them in in places that they want to be in. And um, once I kind of realized that, I decided that the best way to kind of help with that situation was mentoring and just for them to be around girls, um, be around women that were doing things that they wanted to do, that they could look up to, that could inspire them, Um, Yeah, and just show them that they are important and that they can achieve what they want. And so um, that was really why I started it. And we met twice a month and it was eighth grade girls. Um, And we just talked about like self-worth, the importance of education, believing in yourself, things like that. And just topics that aren't usually discussed with them and um, giving them just an opportunity to meet with women they may never meet in their life.
0: Did you lead that program yourself or did you invite other people to be mentors as well?
2: Yeah, I found mentors to also come with me every, um, like every twice a month that we went. So Mm -hmm. it was other people involved too. Oh, nice. I love that. Is it still going strong? It's not. So it was when I was in Athens that I set that up. And ever since moving to California, I haven't like restarted it here or anything. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely want to start it up again. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be when I'm in Chula Vista or when I move back to Atlanta, but that's something that I'm passionate. About. Mentorship is just something I'm passionate about. And so I want to continue doing that.
1: I love that. Yeah, definitely. We're, representation and mentoring is right up our alley here at Keeping Track. We think those are important. Kind of reminds me, Ro, of your your school program mm-hmm. that you started over in Ireland. So yeah. yeah, athletes can be really powerful role models. Yeah. Just, um,
0: I just feel like they're, you know, have that connection with kids as well. It's just their stories that athletes have, you know, earned and fought for <laughs> over the few years and it helps the athlete then give give it back and like share their experience So, kind of do you feel like it helps you as well as helps the girls yeah
2: I think it helps yeah. me especially just exposure and seeing the different situations people are in sometimes mm-hmm. we're we get stuck in our own world and our reality and think that's how everyone's life is yeah. but even just uh, meeting these young girls and seeing what their everyday life is and what they have to deal with um their struggles their doubts it really mm-hmm. opens me up to see other people's perspectives and um, yeah, other people's lives and how not everything is perfect for everyone.
0: Well done. Well, hopefully I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure the girls benefited from being around you and I'm sure you'll get back into that at some point when you, <laughs> maybe not an Olympic year. But <laughs> it's a good thing to do after
1: the Olympics, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure you started a ripple effect of good um, motivation and just like, I'm sure seeing it was really powerful. Um, That kind of brings me to another question. So you were fourth at the last Olympics. I know, you know, you've you've been hovering around that medal position this year going into the Olympics. um, You know, I assume it's one of your goals, but the podium has this whole added story to it this year with the Rule 50 that the IOC is doubling down on. Um, I don't know if you were on any of the calls with the USOPC uh, earlier in the year, how they were saying they're going to back up athletes that did want to protest. But is that something mm-hmm. you think about as a potential podium athlete this year? just the power of that and sort of it is a what would you do scenario? And there's just a lot there's a lot behind it. It's a very heavy topic going into this year's Olympics?
2: Yeah, um that's definitely something I think about. And seeing the decision they made about um, not allowing it is kind of upsetting. and i I think I can kind of see both sides where they don't want it to turn. They don't want the podium to turn into something that maybe can promote hatred or negative things. Um, but on our side, it's like, this is something that can be productive and we have a platform to use um, for our benefit and to spread awareness on things that are important. And so I can see both sides of the situation, but I, I, don't, I think if the person can defend that what they're standing up for is wholesome and productive and positive, I think it should be allowed Um, it would be different if there's something, some kind of negative thing that's trying to be promoted on the podium. Mm -hmm. I think of course you don't want that at the Olympic games. That's trying to unify people, but if black lives matter or, um, standing up for black people or black power, whatever that is, if that's important and positive, I don't see why that should be an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, I'm pretty reserved with the way I, um, like I'll post things on my social media, but I don't think I really do demonstrations and so realistically, I don't see myself doing anything unless I really feel something in that moment that I feel like has to be done. But I think there are so many different ways to promote what you want to promote and it doesn't have to be done on the podium. And that's why I personally probably wouldn't do it there. Um, but I, I support anyone that does want to do it. That's mm-hmm. their place, that's their platform and um, they can use it for what they want. And I think that we should be allowed to use that space for anything that is positive.
1: Yeah, yeah. certainly no one would expect everyone to take that on that risk and battle on. Um, I do think the IOC is, there was a really great quote. Um, I think Tiana Bartoletta said it it was about being seen. And I, Mm -hmm. I do feel like that is lacking from the IOC in this regard. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's definitely, um, something that I wouldn't, expect everyone to take on because they haven't told us what the sanctions are you know like Mm -hmm. you don't know are you going to get your medal stripped are you going to get kicked out of the sport i mean historically that's what's happened before so it is it's a situation where some clarity would probably take a lot of stress off
2: Yeah, yeah and even and even like reminiscing on like tommy smith or tony i can't remember their names but the two men who raise up the black power sign with um the gloves they were banished, and everyone hated them in that moment. But now they're looked at as like mm-hmm. these people who have done something amazing, and they're praised. And I think like the IOC like gave them some kind of award or something. So it's like mm-hmm. for you to praise someone that did that thing and then say no, you're still not allowed to do it. It doesn't make sense at all. No. there's it's it's mm. like the heads are battling. Like you, yeah. it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're being inconsistent.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit hypocritical or something. Like yeah, we'll You know, I mean, it took how many years? Over 30 years, maybe? Let me see, 40 years before, or 50 years before they got recognized for that Mm -hmm. um, in a positive way, you know, after a lot of um, backlash at the time. So, yeah, it's a very complex um, situation, but yeah, you don't, you don't, it's hard to know how to solve it as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have the support of the USOPC?
2: Um, I'm not sure. I think that the USOPC said that we could do things at the trials. Is that correct? Are we allowed to? Do they them of the trials.
1: They backed the athletes up. by just at the next level. I don't know how much power they have to protect athletes. So I, yeah, I think at the trials it would be okay.
2: It's yeah. Um, yeah. So I I feel like the USOPC is definitely um a little bit better about those situations than the mm-hmm. IOC. Um, but mm-hmm. you never really know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's something they even had to work through just this last year. So it's it's yeah, it's definitely something that is up in the air at the moment, but a very important topic. Um, So, Katura, you also mentioned that you your major was finance or are you still working on the finance degree?
2: I graduated. You graduated. Yeah.
1: So I think that's actually a really great area to be an expert in as an athlete, a professional athlete, because I feel like we aren't given a lot of advice. And the way professional athletics works, financially anyway, it's like you're an independent contractor in the sport of track and field. And like, you're not really told what to do with your money, with your taxes, with your savings. How do you do a retirement account? Do you have um, any tips For other athletes out there, or even just regular listeners. Molly, stop
0: trying to get free financial advice here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What should I do with my.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I think studying this area definitely helped me out a lot. I actually have a blog on my website, um, a financial planning blog, kind of where I talk about retirement options, talk about saving, budgeting. Um, awesome. just the different basics. Yeah. And I'm still working on that series because I also want to release an investment blog. Mm-hmm. But I think my advice to anyone is make sure you first of all put money aside for taxes because taxes are not taken out of our pay. Um, the second thing is make sure you have a budget. I know most of the time when we budget it's for our personal, like, oh, this much for groceries, this much for rent. But it's like you also want to have a budget for that money that you make from track and no how much should I be allocating to medical expenses and massages and how much do I need for travel this year and making sure you're staying on top of that. And then another thing I think is super important is keeping aside money for a year that you may be injured or a year like COVID, just an emergency year. Um, our sport, you one one year you can make a million dollars, the next year you can make five dollars. Like you really don't know. And so if you're if you're able to and you make enough money to um, live below your means so that you can put some aside in case there's a year where you make less money or you're injured and you can still be making income that year, despite the fact that you won't be competing.
1: Mm-hmm. Good advice. I yeah, I we were talking, I think we sort of touched on this one other episode when Alicia and I were talking about mortgage like the mortgage estimates and what Mm -hmm. you, when you use like a typical mortgage calculator, for example, online, if you're an athlete, you almost can't go by that because your career is so in flux. Like you, you have to do a little below what you think um, the calculator is going to tell you. And there's just, yeah, the whole tax thing. It was a learning curve my first year out. Let me tell you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Another, another recommendation, get a CPA that understands your, um, a, mm. That you're a professional athlete and everything that goes along with that, because they mm. can help you out a lot with those. Yeah.
1: You're basically a small business, so there's there's a mm. lot more moving parts than you'd realize.
0: Yeah, some really great advice there. And see on your website, you do have some blogs around um, these different topics. So if anyone wants to read more, and um, they can go to your website. So, um could you could you pronounce your full name again? There, I just want to make sure everyone say right.
2: Yeah, it's Katora Orgi. So my website is www.katororgy.com.
0: Great. And we link to that as well. So yeah, I've got some reading to do tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, the blog looks like a great resource. Mm-hmm. Definitely encourage everyone to check that out.
2: Yeah. And I tried to use language that's pretty simple and everyone can understand because I, I know that a lot of times it's confusing and financial jargon in there. So.
0: I yes. Yeah, yeah I yet appreciate that <laughs> yeah and yet it's empowering to really understand it right it's like it's like oh I don't understand it I just don't want to understand it well I'm speaking for myself <laughs> but when you do it's like okay now I get it right it's like it's empowering it feels good to understand it and
2: yeah, it's important to understand for sure. It gives you the freedom to spend your money how you want to.
0: Very, very important. And, you know, I think for athletes as well, you know, that you can kind of, or different people as well, like you can kind of not want to deal with that, but actually that can like drain your energy. If you're not like understanding and know, kind of up to date with how your finances are like, that can kind of cause a stressor, be a stressor for athletes. Right. And then to try and compete with that and, and, and be stressed as you're competing.
2: Yeah. I, I think planning ahead definitely gives you peace, um, about everything. And like I said, if you were to get injured a year and now you're stressed out about, well, is my sponsor going to drop me and how will I make money this year? Do I have to get an additional job? Like there's just so many different stressors that come with not planning for the future versus if you have everything planned out, even if the worst happens, you've already planned ahead and you feel peace about the situation.
0: Yeah. even have enough other stuff to be dealing with in competition and injuries and stuff like that. You don't want to have to be stressed out about that as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Accumulating as much peace as you can in a season is always <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those way. Yeah, the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <away>. Clarity, calmness.
1: <laughs> Our podcast today is brought to you by Whoop. What's great about Whoop is that it's completely different from your standard GPS watch. Whoop is focused on your body's recovery, and everyone knows that runners aren't always the best at taking days off or listening to their bodies, I don't know if this sounds familiar to anyone. Every day, Whoop gives you a personalized recovery score based on things like your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, sleep, and respiratory rate, so you can monitor the changes in your fitness. The app also has built-in features like the Strain Coach, so you can see how hard you're pushing your body every day and set goals based on your body's recovery. Overtraining and injury are huge problems for every runner, but Whoop can help you reduce those risks by listening to the underlying factors affecting your performance. Whoop isn't just for elite runners. It's for anyone who cares about improving their life, staying healthy as a runner, and hacking their way to a new PR. So head over to Whoop.com and enter TRACK at checkout to save 15%. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. Katura, you were saying you have practice later today. Do you know what's on the schedule for practice today? Like, could you take us through a practice
2: day? Today's like more recovery day. So I'll take you through yesterday's practice. Okay. Today. Um, but yesterday I, after warming up, we did some multi jumps, which is like different hops. It would be single leg hops, uh, double leg hops, forward, sideways, backwards. And just things like warm up your body, get ready for jumping. And then I did some two-step triple jump. So literally, I take two steps and then triple jump. And triple jump is a hop, step, and a jump for anyone that doesn't know what the triple jump is. And then we went into eight-step triple jump. Um, and that's as far back as we usually go. So while in a competition, I take 18 steps to triple jump. In practice, the most I'll take is eight steps. And that's, again, because triple jumps is just so hard on the body. And so I did some eight-step triple jump. And then once we finished jumping, I then had some speed work. Um, we did some resistance, like high knee runs where my coach puts his belt around me. I'm doing high knees as fast as I can while he's like pulling against me. Mm. And then like he lets the belt go and there's no resistance and I keep running. And then I also went into four 30-meter sprints. And then after that, I did weights. So
0: oh that was gosh, wow. Sounds so like good. a
2: monster session. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is one of our longer days. Yeah.
0: How were the legs this morning when you ate up after that?
2: They were sore. Um, Last night, actually, I took an Epsom salt bath because they were so sore. So, yeah. Yeah. And
0: this part
1: of the season, like, how heavy would you be lifting? Like, what kind of a number would you be lifting for, like, I don't even know, like, squats or, like, deadlifts or any of that stuff?
2: We're actually not that heavy since we're into competition season Mm -hmm. now. So, I think the heaviest I'll go was, like, 80 kilos, which... I'm not sure what that is in pounds, but I think yeah. it's like 170 pounds or 180 pounds. I think so. Nothing yeah. super heavy when we're in competition season.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty heavy to me. I know. I was like, right, light. That's the light. It's <laughs> not like the weight of my fridge or something. I don't know. <laughs> Those are the easy weights. Yeah. Well, that's that's what makes you like you know worth fighting the
2: Olympics. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I
1: feel like as distance runners, we never got deep into the weight room
2: <laughs> yeah i do remember seeing the distance runners uh lift at university of georgia and they'd have like mm-hmm. little little like five pound ten pound weights in their hands oh,
1: or just the bar sometimes <laughs> sometimes no weights <laughs> <laughs> whatever works <laughs> hey yeah we're so wow. specialized it's like track is cool that way
0: yeah it is yeah every event is like a super skewered scuba- mm-hmm. like speciality yeah you're in the gym these days though. there must be some weight going on there
1: I check the box. Like for me, weights is like, check the box. It's not a real workout.
0: <laughs> Functionality. <laughs> but yeah, that's what
1: yeah. made, I feel like for, so COVID this past year, I feel like for distance runners, it was not as hard. I mean, it was hard, but it was, um, our training probably changed the least of all mm-hmm. the event groups or even athletes across the board. Cause we could just go out, get most of it done. Mm-hmm. Um, even, You know, not a lot of technical stuff, not a lot of weights, not a lot of equipment involved. So I always like to ask people how the year went, because I know like without a weight room, like you're going to lose a lot of power for a lot of months. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's good to see some athletes are I mean, I know a lot of people struggled, but a lot of people are having breakout seasons
2: anyway this year. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely think a year of rest benefited a lot of us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And were your coaches okay with that? Like, you know, did the coaches want to keep pushing or were they like, no, it's okay to take a rest?
2: Uh, My coaches were definitely like, it's okay to take a rest, especially Mm. because everything was closed. So it's like, it was forced to rest. Like, even Mm. if you wanted to go jump, there's no track open with the sandpit available. So Mm. um, it was kind of a forced rest. And my coach was okay with it because there was nothing to train for.
0: Yeah. It's, such a, it's still crazy that this has happened. So yeah. it's still, we're not funny. We're not funny out of it
2: at all, but yeah.
0: So what, what about your easy day now? Like, what will you do for that? What's the recovery for that? Like,
2: yeah. So today we'll, he'll take us through, um, just different things like, um, am not a medicine ball, a yoga ball. What is the, phys- the physio ball? Yeah. The squishy
1: one. The big yeah.
2: bouncy one. Yeah. We'll do some exercise on the physio ball. Um, we'll take a band and do some like band stretches. We'll do banded walks around, um, our knees and legs. We'll do like toe yoga, um, balance exercises, some med ball throws, some core work. So it's, it's pretty like low intensity, um, Mm -hmm. not heavy at all. And just basic exercises to help your body recover. Yeah.
1: Got to get that mobility work in, um, Injury prevention type stuff. Have you had a season yet that was like a struggle because of injury or a season where um, you had something really challenging happen that you can think of? I'm thinking like if we have younger, younger listeners, I always like to ask the challenge question.
2: Yeah. um, I can, there's two instances that I can talk about. So the first one was my freshman year of college. I was ranked first, I think in the triple jump and like let's say like seventh in the long jump. And I was going into regionals, which is the meet you go to to qualify for nationals. And you have to place like top 16 or top 12 there. I can't remember. But either way, I was I was very favored to place top 12 and go to NCAAs. And I remember for a long jump, I was just so nervous. And I think I qualified like in the last spot and almost didn't make it. And then a triple jump, I think I was the first two jumps, you only get three jumps. The first two jumps, I was not in position to qualify. And then on my last jump, I ended up qualifying Mm -hmm. and I was so stressed out, which obviously I still qualified. So that's great. But I was Mm -hmm. so upset with myself and so stressed out and like freaking out about the competition. And so I called my mom after and I was crying and I was like, I don't know what happened. I know what I'm capable of. And I don't know why I freaked myself out and why I performed so bad. And I was just so upset. And so after talking to my mom, she was like, okay, well, we're going to start like praying together every day. You can call me up every day. We're going to pray together. And we're going to go through this passage in the Bible. And we're just going to do that every day. And so that you feel comfortable with co- competing. And I remember ever since doing that with my mom, I have not really had any like mental mm. uh, issues when it comes to competition. Because, you know, sometimes we'll get like anxiety or like mm-hmm, you don't perform mm-hmm. as well as you think you should. Mm-hmm. And so ever since that breakthrough with my mom, I haven't had any issues, which has been great. And so wow. I think, um, yeah, my mom just gave me like peace around, um, track and field isn't life. It's just something that you do and you just have to perform your best on that day. And if you give your all, that's all you can do. Um, there's no reason to stress about it because you have prepared for this moment. And so I think that really nice. helped me and calmed me.
0: Wow. That's lovely. Like a, like a centering practice that it just grounded you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you mind saying what like Bible verse it is? If you, if you feel like um,
2: it is. I can't remember what. The it was, but it wasn't Psalms. It was just a Psalm that we read every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is a Bible verse. I tell myself every time before I jump now it's in Timothy and it's, um, the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Mm-hmm. And so I always remind myself of that, um, before I jump just to calm my nerves. I just remind that this is not life or death. It's distract yeah. and just try your best.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it can, but it can feel like that, right? To your nervous system. You're like, oh, this feels like the worst thing in the world. I'm on fire right now. But actually, you're not. You're, you're like running around a track or you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Give it with perspective. Yeah. It's good. That's really helpful. Well done. Yeah.
1: It would be important. I feel like in one of the field events where it's just, it's so much pressure distilled into, you know, three attempts or however many attempts yeah. to get that right to get that, Mm. I'll say it for the hundredth time, the eyes off, right? (laughs) It's my favorite sports psychology term to throw around, your optimal Mm -hmm. zone. Um, Did you say you had another instance of a challenge that came to mind?
2: Yeah, I have another one. So my junior year of college, I actually had an injury. Um, It wasn't something that kept me out. It just always bothered me and like really reduced what I could do at practice. Um, It was just like fibular head. I think there's just inflammation there. I'm not really sure, but it was just consistently bothering me and I would go to meets and not feel a hundred percent. And sometimes just be, have to take like one jump or two jumps and then just stop competing. And then, um, even at practices, I'm a type of person that likes to work, work, work. Like I'm the person that wants to outwork everyone. But I think that year I learned that it's not about doing more. It's about doing what's best. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. you can get the same results by doing less. And mm-hmm. I didn't learn that until that year. Um, and so I remember, outdoors. I was still battling with it. Um, I was able to still win championships, but wasn't 100%. And so I remember after USAs, I won USAs, made the team, but I just decided that it'd be best for me to not go to world championships that year because it was still nagging. And I knew that I still had another, I had my senior year with the university of Georgia and, um, I just had other important things to focus on and that rest would be most important in the moment. And so I decided to withdraw from world championships that year and Um, Mm. I think that rest was very important for me because the injury really settled down and I haven't really had issues with it since then. But Mm. that was, yeah, that was the year that I learned that like working harder is not always the smartest thing. And um, sometimes what's, even though in this moment you want to compete, sometimes it's best to just rest.
0: Well, that's that's a really hard line for athletes to learn. Like where is that line? Because to a certain point, right, working harder does increase performance, but then you get to this little level where it's like okay you know you've been to push yourself over a cliff so it's Mm -hmm. like you have to relearn okay I'm doing enough or there's no the return isn't isn't there to push harder and harder It's really hard for athletes to find that line Mm -hmm. and not go over it. (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: the really highly motivated athletes, which are most of the ones that make it to the peak of the sport. It's like, you have to learn that at some point. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy. I definitely identify with that. Like I cling to the work because I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. what gives me confidence. Work, work, work. And then it's like, okay, it's like, there's work. And then after a certain point, it's like, well, that's not the wrong thing to be doing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The
0: diminishing returns. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, great. Really great wise, lessons. And yeah, and you're, it was good to, to learn at a young age. They you feel like you're mm-hmm. in the right balance. have got the right balance of that right now. in the group you're in, it's, the dynamic is nice for that. Like you work hard yeah. and you yeah. hold have, back.
1: Have you learned anything from um, Brittany? Uh, like, or is it just osmosis being around her? Like, what has what that benefit been like? Has she been a mentor to you in a way?
2: Um, she has, just because I've always looked up to her, even from when I was in high school. She actually... I had a poster of her on my wall. So oh, that's it's, so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool that I'm now her training partner. Yeah. But um, I think what I've learned from her mostly, especially during fall training, is that even when you think you have nothing left, you still have something left because I've seen her, we're all like everyone in the group is dying from whatever running workout we've just done. And I feel like, like I can't do another rep or if I do another rep, it's not going to be as good as the last one. But she always finds another gear to be able mm. to push through whatever the work is. And I honestly cannot believe it because <laughs> it's like another level of like, we're all tired and we're all going to run slower. And then like Brittany just like hits this wow. other gear of like, I'm going to run the fastest I run all workout. And it's not like she was sandbagging, like she was running yes. fast. So yes. it's, it's really crazy watching her do that. And um, she really says like, she always says like, you're not tired, it's your mind. And so that's something that I've learned from her that, like, you're even though you think you're really tired, you're not as tired as you think you are. And you can dig deeper to find that strength within you.
0: Like, mm-hmm. just ignore that feedback, of your legs screaming at you. Just like, oh, whatever, legs. Like- <laughs> yeah. Like, it's more of your mind than your body. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's, she's a legend in the sport. So it makes sense that you're going to learn a lot of toughness from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just,
1: yeah. Or just even helpful. Yeah. To even in a hard, Work out, just peep over and be like, How's she handling it? Okay, she's good. <laughs> then I'm good. I'll be good. I need to. Yeah, I know that's how I used to think around you ladies. I'd be like, Okay, well, they're still standing. So I got to <laughs> hold myself together. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Katura, a question we like to ask here on keeping track is, um, you know, we're trying to increase representation of female athletes in, the, in sports media, and we like them to tell parts of their story that they want to tell. That's not always what media asks you. So is there anything we haven't hit on that you want to talk about? Um, anything that a lot of people don't know about you that you want to talk about or just anything you want to shout out?
2: I guess the only thing I'll say is that um, I really like to highlight, which people do know this about me, but I really like to highlight that I'm more than my sport. A lot of times, people will label, and this is especially for all the young people listening. People will try to label you by your accomplishments or your failures or um, anything you've done in sports. So, like, this is my friend, the Olympian. This is my friend, the NCAA champion. But it's like I'm much more than that. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm caring. I'm funny. There's so many different parts of me, and so don't ever let your sport define you or mm-hmm. um, be the one thing that I that is your identity. There's so much more to you, and even if your goals or dreams don't work out in the sport, you're talented in so many different areas and can accomplish so many different things in other areas too.
0: That's Love such it. a good message. Yeah. Too many people get kind of that surface label, kind of like, oh, he's a runner, the jumper, da, da, da. and then people are like, well, I'm more than that. And it's hard for them to, to separate that for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sports,
1: they're empowering until that happens. And then I feel like they get limiting. So I feel like. We get the best answers when we ask that question. I love yeah, that answer.
2: No, it's
0: really great. <laughs> Yeah. And you also just on that though, you also do go and give talks and stuff, right? You're actually like a speaker.
2: Yeah. People will have me speak, especially to young girls. Like I said, I'm into mentorship. So, um, yeah. whether it's about empowerment, like I was just saying, or being more mm-hmm. than your sport or staying motivated, um, or just telling my story about how I got to where I am today. Um, I like mm-hmm. to share that, especially if, it's going to inspire someone to follow the same path as me.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot. You've got a lot of different feathers to your bow, whatever the old saying is. I always mess <laughs> those <There's a> little <laughs> phrases up. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, that's great to hear and um, great message. So, Thanks for sharing that. Yes. So after you get your
1: medal, people hit Keturah up for a speaking <laughs> engagement. Um, you can go on tour
2: (laughs) speaking tour
1: or metal metal or not that's what I think (laughs) why do we have to wait for
0: the metal no exactly absolutely well thank you so much this has been really nice to speak with you today and been a great pleasure from mine anyways yes
1: enjoyed it thanks so much Katura. have a good practice and good luck we will see you in Eugene we'll be cheering
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Good luck. Okay, we'll be cheering for you. Good luck. Take care.
1: Thanks.
2: Keep check. Keep check.
3: Keep check. One time. One. Yeah, yeah. Keep, track, keep track. One time. One. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: your shout outs to what cheer writers club podcasting studio a non-profit supporting rhode island's content creators and where roshin and i record and to rudy nakashima for our funky outro song thanks guys
3: hey there and welcome to the joy of paddle podcast hosted by me minter dial a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by paddle 1969 whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado